Some bonds last a lifetime. Some bonds inspire confidence. And some you grow to rely on. These are the bonds worth investing in. For nearly 50 years, PIMCO has reinvented fixed income to create opportunities for investors in every market environment. So no matter what happens, you can build the bonds that mean the most to you. PIMCO, a global leader in active fixed income. Learn more at PIMCO.com bonds. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Consult your investment professional before investing. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job's not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. This market, this market, it is just so crazy. I mean, in the morning, it opened incredibly strong and then just petered out for the rest of the day. But then right at the end, it bounced. And ultimately, the Dow gained 477 points as it climbed 1.31%. NASDAQ advanced 1.01%. Kind of a Lazarus afternoon. What exactly happened? Was there too much speculation? Too many people with one foot out the door? Yeah, pretty much. When you try to rebound from a down 1,800-point day like we had yesterday, you do get all these anxious people who want – they went in, okay? They went smack into a wall of sellers, and they were delighted to get out at a higher price. The sellers didn't care. They just didn't want a repeat of yesterday. And that's what defined the choppy action. Once the sellers were done, the buyers came back. Oh, we're still in the grips of maybe one of the craziest manias I've ever seen. <laughs> Is it, I have to admit, I'm kind of, t- it, 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 it's, I'm turned on by it because at least there's some enthusiasm. So you've got tons of new investors attracted by low commissions, low dollar stocks, and crazy hours where people can trade at 4 a.m. now without a problem. There's clubs all over the place. Every morning they blitz in before the market's open. They buy tons of shares with the hopes that someone else will take them out at a higher price. All these people, let's call them novices or neophytes, whatever you want to do, they're relying on other buyers to come in after they bought their stocks. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. These buyers tend to purchase certain stocks each morning and bet that they will go higher. Oh, and when it works, it can work huge, particularly if you use a lot of leverage, which you know I don't like. But when it doesn't and use a lot of leverage, it's really a rough life. Now, in Mad Money, we like investing. I understand what people are doing. But we like investing, not trading. But that doesn't mean we're going to you know, thumb our noses at you. If you're playing momentum, which is the technical term for what you're doing, and it works, knock yourselves out. i got no issues with it at all as long as it's legal. Look, I don't enjoy horrific days like yesterday. Uh, I, and I like it when stocks go higher. Uh, the, most of the people who watch the show own stocks. They're not short sellers. But we really don't want this market to rally every day in crazy fashion. And I don't really want rampant speculation because it has tended to end badly. My concern is that these younger traders will keep trying to bag stocks, gun them by fomenting positive activity, and then liquidate them into the hubbub. See, because if that keeps happening, then we haven't seen the last of those painful reversals like we had yesterday or middle of the day here as we work off the most overbought market in history, or at least the most overbought market since the S&P started measuring things 35 years ago. In other words, yesterday we were due for a pullback. The problem now is that the run over the past few months has attracted many younger traders, and some of them are too sure and too confident and too cocky. And I am concerned that they will get blown out like the people did in February of 2018 
or like in 2000 or like in 2009, and they will never come back again. And we'll have that continually dwindling audience of people who like stocks. I want people to speculate as wisely as possible because I am sick and tired of watching generation after generation after generation of young people be blown out of stocks just when they should be getting in them and investing in them. So you know what I'm going to do? Rather than just say, you know what, you, you guys don't know what you're doing, I am going to acknowledge that you do know what you're doing. And I'm going to work extra harder to make you better, okay? I am not going to criticize and I'm not going to make a judgment. I'm going to say, I think I can help you. Don't want the help? That's one thing. If you do, you've come to the right place. With that in mind, what's the game plan for next week? Well, it starts off with something called the Empire State Manufacturing Survey, which will tell us whether we're dealing with a COVID-19 depression or just a recession. New York City, which is that encompasses, is the hardest hit area in the country. So I bet this is going to be the worst number ever recorded. If we get a spike in new cases over the weekend, which a lot of people are worried about, and we get a lousy Empire Manufacturing number, then Monday's going to be bad. Yep, we're back to wagering on the coronavirus. So keep in mind, people who are buying at 4 a.m., that this is what awaits you, okay? Tuesday morning, we hear from Lenar. That's the big home builder. This one's become one of the hottest segments in the market. Housing's roaring because ultra-low mortgage rates have brought out buyers and tons of people are fleeing cities for the suburbs, where it's much easier to wait out the pandemic. It's called the counter-urban trade. The problem here is that we all know Lenar will report a good quarter, so it won't surprise anyone. And if it doesn't surprise anyone, then it might not go up. Oracle reports after the close, and I think it always has the same issue. Uh, they always manage to say something positive, and it inches up the stock a little bit. Uh, it can help tech if it blows the doors off, but that's something it hasn't been able to do of late. It'll have bought back a lot of stock. They love to do that. Wednesday, we hear from the hero of the stock market, and that's Fed Chief Jerome Powell. When Powell spoke earlier this week, someone tried to goad him into saying whether he'd raise interest rates anytime soon. He had the perfect response. He said he's not even thinking about thinking about raising rates. We got enough problems on our plate right now. Who the heck needs the Fed to raise rates other than people who really want stocks to go down? Honestly, it's crazy that the question was even asked. The only part of the economy that's doing well right now is housing. Speaking of housing, we get housing starts on Wednesday. Uh, I, I, I bet they're strong, but again, not enough to move the needle in a $19 trillion economy. Thursday, we get results from Kroger. And you have to know the supermarket business has become really dog-eat-dog. Kroger's not doing the eating. They're being eaten. But ever since Warren Buffett yeah, the guy who sold the airline stocks low, I know. Ever since Warren Buffett bought a $500 million stake at the end of February, Wall Street's fallen in love with this thing. I think that's about to end after we see these numbers. There's just too much competition from the big boxes and the dollar stores and the Trader Joe's and some foreign companies like the Aldi. Finally, on Friday, we hear from two potentially really important complex, uh, companies, really interesting names, CarMax and J-Bill. I like both of these. CarMax sells used cars, and with all these new social distancing rules, I bet car ownership is headed higher. Ride-sharing and mass transit are being viewed as too risky by people if you can afford a car, and you want an expensive car, you go there. Remember, there's also all these other guys, the Carvanas, but this is the one that reports. Um, We're still in a recession, so this isn't exactly a Lamborghini moment, although I've got to tell you that Lamborghini Ursa, if you never get it for a test drive, is amazing. Now, this does feel more like a used car moment, which brings us back to CarMax. I also like AutoNation and I like AutoZone because older cars need more maintenance. Don't get me wrong. Tesla is still my favorite, but that's a secular growth story. It's not a social distancing story. Last but not least is this J-Bill. This is a contract manufacturer. When you outsource your manufacturing, you go to a company like J-Bill. They usually have quite a bit of work for Apple 
And we know Apple stock has been a real horse here. Maybe j can explain what's driving it, although they can't mention Apple by name because Apple doesn't like that. you got to read between the lines. Most importantly, though, throughout the week, I'll be watching the COVID numbers like a hawk. Last Friday, it felt like we were at the beginning of a V-shaped recovery with an insanely strong employment number and COVID seemingly on the ropes. But then this week, new cases started spiking across the country, and we didn't get any more super positive economic news. Some mayors are talking about going back into lockdown. Thank heavens, Secretary Mnuchin said he's not going to let that happen for the country. Uh, But a V seems a little bit more shaky. Now, I believe we'll only be able to beat this thing. Over 100 pharmaceutical companies are working on it. Sooner or later, they'll come up with a cure or a vaccine. And I'm more optimistic than most on this particular time frame. However... Until we get a vaccine, we can't go back to normal because social distancing is hard to maintain and lots of Americans are just too darn stubborn to wear masks. But the bottom line, as long as you think we aren't going into a second lockdown, even as COVID cases spike, then you uh, then you want to buy your favorite stocks into weakness here. And if you want to trade the hottest names again, I am going to do my very best to help you, too. I want a big tent and a smarter one, too. Let's go to Tom in New York. Tom. Happy Friday, Skidaddy. Happy Friday, Tom. Happy Friday. With office, happy Friday. With office buildings reopening, they will have to change their environments. Carrier Global will be upgrading their new filtration systems in their HVAC units. What do you think of this company, or is there a better company investing? No, the car's good, but you have a lot of China exposure, and you have to believe that the Chinese economy is going to get stronger than it is right now. It's a good holding spot. I'm not going to go nuts for it. I do like the management, uh, but it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's good. I, I wish I could say it's great. How about Patrick in New Jersey? Patrick. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Uh, so I'm, I'm new to the market. I've been piecing together my portfolio. I've got a few speculative stocks in there now, ERI and FLMN. Uh, when building the rest of my portfolio, do you think it's better to have a lot of stock at four or five companies or just a small amount of 10 or more companies? Well, I think that it's harder to kind of willing to wait it out. Do you think how many of those do you think should be high? Well, risk? Look, I think that I find knowing, you know, look, I run a charitable trust and we have a recommended list. Recommended list has 30 companies. Uh, I think knowing more than 10 companies well enough to be able to invest is very, very difficult. That 10, unless unless you do it full time and then you're OK. Uh, if you're going to trade, well, what can I say? It's I think it's a full-time profession to do trading. Let's go to Grant in Texas. Grant. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. So uh, earlier this week, this company announced $3 billion loss in sales, 400 stores closing. They were disallowing Black Lives Matter attire in the business for employees and quickly reversed that. Now we're allowing it. They've taken over a big footprint in the coffee space in China with all the tensions between us and China. Now, how do you feel about Starbucks? I like Starbucks. I think Kevin Johnson's doing a good job. I was glad they reversed the decision and allowed people to wear black lives matter shirts. Cause I think that what matters should be able to be expressed. I also think that the, uh, the articles about Starbucks, the numbers were more negative than I think the numbers are going to turn out to be, which is why we have a big position on it. I think it's a buy right here, right now. Okay. If you don't think we're going to a second lockdown, then I think you got to buy your favorite stocks into weakness. And remember, if you're going to trade, we're going to help you, too. We'll make money tonight. Could the coronavirus be on the ropes? I'm going to give you uh, my take after today's bounce back. Then I'm circling back to the cloud-based software place, finding out their valuations should give you pause. And four or five subscription companies are still growing despite the economic impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm talking with the CEO of Zora to see how it's faring. So stay with Kramer. 
Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe. I can't wait to get all of those resources under one hour long newscast where we can deliver the facts of the day clearly and concisely in context and with perspective and tell people what's happening, what it all means. Get the truth, not the spin. The News with Shepard Smith. Subscribe to the podcast today. Yesterday felt like something out of February or March, didn't it? Uh, when the COVID numbers kept getting worse and worse, the market created. But you know what? I think that's the wrong analogy. Look, I know we're not out of the woods. Some parts of the country, like New York City, are doing much better. Other parts of the country are doing worse. New cases are trending higher in 19 states. Texas, Arizona, Florida, among others. I am very worried about those Texas numbers that came out this evening. However, there's a big difference between now and February. Now we know a lot more about this virus. We know how to fight it. We know masks and social distancing actually do work, especially when paired with aggressive testing and contact tracing. Hey, that's how Taiwan and South Korea stopped this disease in its tracks. Same with Hong Kong. Of course, the countries in East Asia have handled COVID a lot better than the rest of the world. They already had experience with SARS, which led to a culture of wearing masks, and their governments moved early to map out who was spreading the disease and rapidly quarantining them. Even if we had the capacity to do that here, even if we had embraced the Google and Apple technology, which are uh, working on a way to track the spread of COVID via your phone, I think it's great. seems to be a dead end. At this point, there's just too much spread. Still, I think we're better prepared to handle the second wave. But, and this is a very big but, it only works if Americans will wear those darn masks and maintain social distancing. Otherwise, the virus will spread rapidly. Healthcare systems will be overwhelmed and the rest of the country could experience New York-sized outbreaks. I don't know if Americans are willing to do that. We have this kind of live free or die ethos in this country, which has a lot of advantages, but also some drawbacks during a public health crisis. So please wear the mask. I know it's a pain. I know you don't like being told what to do. But the last thing we want is to go back to a lockdown. And wearing a mask is how you prevent that from happening. At the end of the day, though, what we really need is a vaccine or a cure. Too many businesses are taking it on the chin thanks to these uh, new social distancing rules. And the only solution is something that makes this virus go away permanently. Fortunately, in the midst of yesterday's horrific sell-off, we got some good news on the medical front. Regeneron, which understands this virus better than anybody, these are the guys who beat Ebola, by the way, is now going into clinical trials with its COVID antibody cocktail. That means they're using a bunch of drugs. I wasn't surprised they didn't get much. I was surprised they didn't get more attention. But then again, it might be because Regeneron is still relatively unknown compared to the old school pharma titans, even though it's now a $66 billion company. And the news came out, though, on a hideous day for the market, so maybe it was overlooked. I believe in the vaccine makers. I believe in Johnson and Johnson. I believe in the antibody cocktail from Regeneron. I just hope we get something fast enough to save a lot of lives and the economy. At the end of the day, again, this isn't February. It isn't March. COVID may be on the rise again. But between mass, social distancing, 
contact tracing, even of the manual kind, and all these potential therapies and vaccines were in much better shape than they were back in February and March. Plus, we know it is far more than just a respiratory disease and far more nefarious. Of course, all that changes if people are irresponsible. So please, I'm begging you, keep wearing those darn masks. Stick with Kramer and stick with CNBC. Here's a sneak peek into what Sarah Eisen has tonight. Tonight at 7 p.m., what's it like for contact tracers trying to stem the spread of the coronavirus? Plus, the class of COVID, a unique graduation for some Massachusetts high school students, and expert advice for a trio of independent business owners trying to navigate their path forward. time everyone freaked out about the pandemic and the market got obliterated, you had to circle the wagons around the cloud stocks. So after yesterday's meltdown, should that be the new playbook? If we're really worried that COVID is making a comeback, and many people are, I don't know if you heard Dr. Godley this afternoon, he seems to think it's a good reason to worry. If we're worried that some cities might need to go back into lockdown, Houston's already talking about it. Does it make sense to go all in on the cloud? Not so fast. You know I love these companies. You know they're riding powerful long-term themes. You know we've had five years' worth of digitization in the last three or four months. Some say it's been 10 years. But here's the thing. In March, the cloud stocks had just collapsed along with the rest of the market. They were, they were ridiculously cheap. Uh, now, though, they've spent months roaring higher. Many of them were at new highs before the market rolled over just yesterday. And when a group gets more expensive, you've got to get more selective, particularly if I do fear there'll be a lot of underwritings in this area. So that always causes a lot of pressure. So let me break them down for you and lay out which ones I still like at these levels using some rigorous analysis that others in the profession choose to do. They're not just chartists, okay? In the past, we've broken the cloud software stocks into five groups. You got the big cloud kings, the smaller cloud princes, the 2019 IPOs, the other quality names that work, and then the questionables, which are um, questionable. When you look at the best performers for 2020, nearly all of them come from the class of 2019. By the way, there's not a cruise ship or an airliner in here, so stay, stay close here, okay? Uh, the top four all came public. That's a joke about trading, all right? The top four all came public last year. Zoom video up 223%. You, well, you know we like uh, Eric U.A. Viver uh, uh, up 156%. Livongo, uh, that's Glenn Tolman. We've had him on up 139%. We just had Fastly up, up 133%. Number five, Zscaler. Who can forget that one? Unbelievable. Cloud Security Play that's in the other category. Then a couple more from the class of 2019 that I like, but I, I'm not as familiar with. Datadog, they are killing it. Build.com, don't know them well. DocuSign, we just had them on. Then there's a Cloud King, Twilio. Then one more new one, CrowdStrike. They've both been on many times. Lower down the list, we've got a bunch of cloud princes like Kramer Family Fave, Okta, Coupa Software, and Atlassian, all of which I've tried to introduce. I try to introduce to these companies because this is where the money is really being made. Not Delta, not American. These. What do most of these names have in common? Well, it's not exactly rocket science. The biggest winners here are the companies that do the most to facilitate the work from home economy. These stocks aren't just immunized against COVID. They actively benefit from it. Still, when you look at all 50 of the stocks in our cloud universe, what you see is that they've run a great deal and they're getting expensive. The average stock of the cloud 50 is up 45 percent for the year. And the newer ones from the class of 2019, they're up 82 percent. And we've been riding them the whole way. 
get a little nosebleed. On average, these things are selling for 11.6 times next year's sales estimates, not earnings, sales. We can't use earnings to value them because for the most part, they're either unprofitable or their earnings are still pretty paltry. Of course, there's a reason they're so expensive. By and large, the earnings from the cloud plays have been extraordinary during a very difficult period for the economy. Just when you think they've rallied all they can, they report a blowout quarter and the stock surges higher. Data dog, they have one of the best uh, beats of the year. Crowd strike, remember we just had them on their amazing Okta. I can't just... Topic in it. I mean, I, I honestly can do no wrong. Uh, Mr. Chaudhry can't do any wrong, uh, wrong in Zscaler, though. And Zoom Video, well, it's probably the story of the century. And you know, I think that Eric Yuan is a rock star. And even, and I read all the articles about China, and I believe in the man. I'm not telling you to do your banking on Zoom. I am telling you to do your boozy brunch on Zoom like I do every Sunday. Now, it's what, it would be a mistake to ring the register on these stocks. Some yes, some no. The digitization story is too good to miss. We need to be more selective, though. So let's take a try to figure out which ones have gotten a little too expensive. All right, first off, when you're evaluating these software as a service companies or SaaS stocks, there's a quick and dirty way to get a sense of what works and what doesn't. It's called the rule of 40. I've talked about it many times. I will talk about it more. The rule of 40. Basically, you add the company's revenue growth rate. All right, it's right here. You add the company's revenue growth rate to its earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization margin. Now, if the combination's over 40, you got a good one. If it's under 40, you got a riskier one. The idea here is that there are two ways to win with these cloud software plays. If they're losing money, they better have very rapid revenue growth. And if they got slower growth, well, they better be a lot more profitable. And that's what we're really measuring here. Of the 50 cloud names we're looking at, 17-17 pass the rule of 40 test based on this year's estimates. And they are Zoom Video, Livongo, Chegg, CrowdStrike, Viva Systems. That's uh, P- uh, that one, Peter Gaston. It's fantastic. Uh, Adobe, Datadog, ServiceNow, Atlassian, Simple Team, Salesforce.com, DocuSign, Fastly, Dynatrace, Zscaler, VMware, Dropbox, and Wix, which you've had on a couple times. That's just cool guys from Israel. Now, if you use next year's numbers, you would pick up another two that we like, Coupa and Alterix, or Alterix, depending upon whether you want to get it wrong. But lose Datadog, Fastly, and Zscaler, which is one of my faves. Of course, the problem here is the valuation. The rule of 40 doesn't tell you anything about that. So what if we created a new metric? I can't believe I'm doing this on a Friday because I know a lot of you are tired, but I don't care. A new metric by taking the rule of 40, the, the rule of 40 score and dividing it by the price to sales multiple. So let's say your revenue growth plus your EBITDA margin should be at least five times the size of your price to sales multiple. It's a, it's a subjective standard, but I kind of like it. Who from the 17 names that passed the rule of 40 make the cutoff? Well, some old friends. VMware, Dropbox, Salesforce, Chegg, Adobe, and Livongo Health. Remember, Livongo Health is like that personal health coach for diabetes. Now, I think this is a decent list if you're worried about valuations. You don't want to chase the red-hot stay-at-home stocks. I felt like after I did this that these have got to be part of my charitable trust portfolio. Of course, we sold Adobe too early. I still own Salesforce. All right, let's drill down and get specific. If things go really haywire, I've got four cloud stocks that are worth hiding, and I've really narrowed this thing down for you. Um, you ready? 
First is Adobe Systems, which we just had on the show last night after another excellent quarter. Adobe's un- unique in that it's a violence cloud stock. It's been an incredible performer. company puts up great numbers, but the stock still has reasonable valuation for its phenomenally consistent growth rate, selling for just over 35 to next year's earnings estimates. Not sales, but earnings, because Adobe is consistently profitable. Best of all, this is the only cloud company that's reported results for the most difficult period of the year, the shutdown in March, April, and May. We know they made it through unscathed. CEO Shantanun Narayan told us last night, he's a genius. The company's great. Uh, illustrator. Use Adobe Illustrator. It's really pretty good. Makes you a little more creative than you are. All right, second, there's Chegg. I got to be honest, I never would have thought the Chegg would have made the cut until I saw the numbers. This is a cloud-based digital learning platform, and as we head into back-to-school session, I think it is go- season. It's going, it, it's going to do incredibly well. It makes for a great holding because schools will likely keep going digital to slow the spread of the virus. Chegg feels durable, as does its redoubtable CEO, Dan Rosenzweig. Third is Salesforce, the king of the cloud. We've been recommending this one for ages, actually since it was at $8. And it's been a good bet every step of the way. CEO Mark Benioff is using the current weak economy to push his cloud-based software to more businesses and really take market share, just like he did during the Great Recession. That's the smart thing to do. And it's got a reasonable valuation versus the others. And fourth, there's VMware, which is the second cheapest stock in our cloud universe on a price-to-earnings basis, selling for 19 times earnings. VMware's been a laggard this year, even though I think their cloud infrastructure business is very ripe for this moment. And I think COO Sanjay Poonin's terrific. It's no wonder the company just reported a great quarter a couple weeks ago, and the stock exploded. Uh, Sister company Dell did great, too. Bottom line, with the market suddenly feeling... A little more dicey after yesterday's just slaughter, okay? Uh, you know, it almost felt like something from February or March, didn't it? You want more exposure to the cloud plays that work during a not-so-hot economy. But you also have to be careful because they've had some enormous moves. So stick with the ones that pass the Rule of 40 test. And if you're feeling very conservative, then just, just want, go with one like an Adobe, a Chegg, a Salesforce, or a VMware. I know a lot of the younger people want to buy another kind of stock. And I salute them. They should do that. But this is the kind of work that you need to do for the long term. Let's go to James in Georgia. James. Booyah, chill man. Yo, yo, what's happening, Chief? I'm a finance finance student and a young investor. Wanted to get your thoughts about a marijuana REIT and the growing medical use industry. With a potential ramp up in legalization of marijuana for state income taxes, do you see IIPR as a smart play for the future, despite the risk of tenants missing rent payments because yeah, of COVID-19? Yeah, I know. People always want me to recommend this thing, and it's okay. Look, I believe that if you want pot, you should get pot, all right? I mean, you just go for it, and that's, that's Canopy. Now, people were mad. Canopy missed the quarter. I know they missed the quarter. Some of the other ones that people want me to recommend, I just want you to know, for the record, are too small for me to mention on the show because the show got rules, all right? The show's got rules. All right, here we go. It's time to have some exposure to the cloud plays that work during a not-so-hot economy after yesterday's just total beatdown. How do you do it? Maybe use that rule of 40 test that we just went over. Much more made money. I included my sit-down with Zora. Oh, there's an expensive cloud stock. company works with many in my COVID-19 index, including uh, DocuSign, Zoom, and Kramer family fave Okta. So can it continue its recent move higher? Then how could the COVID-19 pandemic impact Centene? Yes, managed care. Going forward, I'm going to sit down with the CEO after this investor day. And all you call is rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. I 
told you before the break, in this newly volatile market, it makes a ton of sense to double down. Double down the cloud-based software stocks that work even in a not-so-hot economy. But most of these stocks have run to the point where many of them are making new highs the past couple of weeks. Hey, how about a cloud play this like group? I'm talking about Zora which is a cloud-based platform that helps clients launch and manage their own subscription services. Zora's CEO literally wrote the book on the subscription economy, and it's called Subscribe. It is a great read. Now, the stock still hasn't gotten back to where it was trading in February, but Zora reported a solid quarter last week, not as bad as feared, even if they did have to pull their full-year forecast like many other companies. I think they can do well here. As advertising dollars do dry up, we're seeing more and more content producers launch their own subscription services to try to make more money here. So is it time for the stock to play catch-up? Let's check in with Teen Zoo. He's the founder and CEO of Zora to hear more about the quarter where it's coming. Senator Mr. Zoo, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, Jim. Good to be back. Great to have you on, Tina. Now, you put out a really terrific study, Subscription Impact Report, COVID-19 edition, which gave a startling statistic. Four out of five subscription companies are still growing despite the economic impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. I cannot say that for the advertising-oriented companies. This is the best, stickiest stream of revenue there is in this country. That's right. I mean, we've been talking about the that the end of ownership is coming. And what we're seeing right now, it, it is here. You're absolutely right. Four out of five companies are still growing their subscriber base despite the economic uncertainty. If you look at your own MAD COVID-19 index, uh, some of those customers, companies are actually our customers, the Zoom, EA, Okta, DocuSign. And so I think companies are, or people are starting to really wake up to the power of recurring revenue. And I like to think about it this way. Let's say you're playing football and you're a subscription business. All the other companies have to start way back there on their 20-yard line with the entire field in front of them. But you get to start 10 yards away from a touchdown. And that's why you're seeing the statistics. Clothing retail down 80%, but Stitch Fix is doing well. Auto sales down 80%. But zip card memberships actually ticking up. And you had mentioned advertising sales down, but media subscriptions, including at places like the street, are on fire. This is a much, much better business model. No, it is true. Uh, I, I don't want to brag about it, but, it, you know, we're not quite. It is true. Now, let me ask you something. There's a great crystal clear, like the football analogy, that will really get people to understand the Fender play example. Give Fender, us that Fender is an amazing story. I mean, Fender... Fender is not a, just, just a guitar company anymore. Fender is actually now a media company. They've got the service Fender Play that teaches you basically how there's 3,000 videos you can watch that teach you how to play a guitar. And they have 10x their subscriber base while we're all trapped at home pulling out our guitar from underneath uh, our beds. And so you think about it, there's a million new guitar players that are not sitting on, on the couch watching Tiger King. Instead, they're playing the guitar. They're learning how to play the guitar. If this is not a whole new world, then I don't know what is. No, the other one that's a new world is uh, my wife came in one night. She's, you know, she runs the Longshoreman. And she said, oh, my God, we got this reservation system. We got to switch now of the, because of, of the pandemic. But thank God they know what the hell they're doing. It's an alpha called Resi. And I said, Resi? I think I know the guys who are powering Resi. That's you. That's right. That's right. And, and, and so the, the, the importance of what we do has never been more apparent. And there's so many. Zoom is a great story, but there's Resi, there's Foresight, 
there's e-money from, from, from Fidelity, there's Guy Online, Yoga Studios. And, and so what we're seeing right now is we can really help companies expand to this exponential demand that they're seeing, or in the case of Resi, really adapt and really quickly and agilely uh, with agility to, to, to their changing customer needs. Well, it's interesting because Resi's real owner uh, knows subscription well, and they went with you. That's right. That's right. So, so all these companies, including the companies in your, some of the companies in your mad COVID-19 index <laughs> are the companies that we power. In many ways, we still see ourselves as a portfolio play on the entire subscription economy. Now, you're, uh, let's talk about the, the business itself. You've got some, uh, uh, some very big plus $100,000 contracts, a nice yep. acceleration there. This was a very, very good quarter. It looks like that somehow business uh, went to the next level. I, I, I don't think people are looking at it, but I see you've got Accenture working for you. You've got Deloitte working for you, IBM. They're all trying to explain the subscription economy and bring in Zora, too. Well, we certainly believe that the long-term trends on our side, we believe the shift to the subscription economy is probably one of the biggest stories of our lifetime. And what you're going to see is everything we do is focused on that long-term. It's focused on what do we need to do to help companies win in the subscription economy. You look at some of our recent announcements. We created something called the Subscribe Strategy Group to work with the Accentures, work with the PwCs, work with the Deloitte's of the world to help companies figure out their pricing, what are the new services to launch. We announced it an enhancement to our platform capabilities to give our customers even more agility as they design these amazing customer experiences. And obviously, the partnerships with these companies continue to be a really, really big focus of ours, too. In the meanwhile, we still it's the, uh, the freemium model that you pioneered that everyone knows how to do uh, is still one of the greatest features that you know how. Uh, if you bring Zora in, it, it's something you can do wrong if you don't have Zora. It's something you guys know. Yeah, well, we, we the, the agility that our platform provides in this environment, and you see these companies just able to, to, to adapt to a dime. I mean, one of the key messages, I think, in, in what's going on right now is it's very much a return, a fundamental return to customer relationships. Yes. And companies are waking up realizing if we have a direct relationship with our customers, it just means that we're able to adapt much, much more quickly to their changing needs, regardless of what economic condition that we happen to be in. Why are there still some people, Teen, who just think that advertising is the holy grail and don't want to mess with subscription? Well, this is a whole new thing, and you've seen that. And what we're seeing in right now is, is hopefully what we, what we saw in 2008, right? Before 2008, people thought, well, cloud computing, right. that's just really right. for small, medium-sized companies. And, you know, with an economic downturn, people realized, gosh, this, this cloud computing stuff is actually really, really powerful. And you saw the whole world shift in 2008, 2009 towards this model. And in hindsight, in two to three years, we hope that we'll look back at this moment and say this was a turning point where companies really understood the importance of direct customer relationships, the power of recurring revenue, and the importance of being a subscription-based business model. Oh, I think you're dead right. It really is happening right now. That's Teen Zhu, founder CEO of Zora. That's Z-U-O. And it is one inexpensive stock that's doing a lot of great things. Bad Money's back after the break. Thank you. It is time. It's up in And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski daddy. Time for the light round. Here's your money. Let's start with Michael in New York. Michael. Hey, Jim. How are you? I'm good. Getting fired up. What's happening? I'm a first time caller. Started watching your show. Love it. My question for you is about Sony. Now that the place 
PlayStation 5 kind of introduced them. Sony is a very inexpensive stock. It has been for a long time, and it creeps up. It's been a good one. I would stick with it. Leon in my home state of New Jersey. Leon. Hey, hi. Uh, I just want to say hi to my children, Josh, Aaron, Rachel, and Sarah. My question is Alibaba, symbol Alibaba B-A-B-A. is a winner. Alibaba is the Chinese Amazon. It is the only Chinese stock I am recommending. Why? Because the financials look just like American ones. How about Simon in Florida? Simon. Jimmy Chill. Yo, yo. All right. They suspended their dividend a couple weeks ago and erased most of their double-digit losses from yesterday. Talk to me about DXC. All right, I'll talk to you about them. Don't own the stock. That's about all I have to say. Uh, and that's by, and that's because my grandmother said, if you have anything nice to say, don't say it. Let's go to Sandy in New York. Sandy. Sandy, yes. Hello, you're, Jim. You're Sandy. What's I'm up? A long, I'm a long-term holder of Cardinal Health Stock, and I wonder what your uh, opinion Cardinal, is. Cardinal, yeah, I, and I love George Barrett when he, you know, previous year. It's a very tough business, low margins. I'd rather see it in an actual pharmaceutical company. It's made a nice little comeback here, but I'm not uh, crazy about that group over the long term. And it's the group, by the way. It's not just the Cardinal. Hey, how about we go to Brian in California? Brian! A nice, sunny Southern California booyah to the chill man, Jimmy Chill. And I'd be in the house. What's happening? Hey, Jimmy Chill. Just wanted to shout out Adriel Zaghi on YouTube who put me onto your show. Been watching you for eight years. Of Love course. it. Um, I have of a portfolio course. I'm looking to hold. Thank you so much for everything. Um, You're welcome. Real quick, I'm, I have a portfolio I'm looking to hold for about two years, which includes ExxonMobil, and I wanted to know your opinion right, on well, the studio I, I think that if you're going to own an oil for the long term, you got to go with Mike Worth and Chevron because they've got the best coverage of the dividend. Now, I personally don't favor buying any of these companies because the fossil fuel, but I like them. I like Diamondback. I like EOG. I like Pioneer. And I like Parsley. Let's go to Lindsay in New York. Lindsay! Hi, Jim. Booyah. Thanks for taking my call. No problem. Uh, How do you feel about AstraZeneca? You know, if you had called me even 18 months ago, I would have said, are you kidding me? But they have made a major turn. They are doing so many good things. I got an oncology franchise. It looks like it's rolling over chart bases, but I do like them. Let's go to Roberta. Roberta in Arizona. Roberta. Hi, Jim. Thank Hi, you Roberta. so much for taking my call. You're welcome. I am a first, I'm a first-time caller, and I have a question. I actually would like your opinion on AWR, which is American States Water Company. I do. I have liked them absolutely forever. It's the kind of stock that is just you just kind of own it a little bit up each year. I like that kind of thing. It's not like buying United Airlines at 4 a.m. and banging it out. It's up six, but it'll get you there. And that, ladies and gentlemen, inclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. What do you do with the managed care stocks here? This is a group that was red hot in April because healthcare care is recession resistant as it gets. Plus, COVID-19 meant that people put off all sorts of non-urgent medical procedures, which meant the managed care companies didn't have to pay out those claims. Of course, now that the economy is reopening again, 
we'll probably see some pent-up demand for all those shelved doctor's appointments. And, that, and that's why the group's cooled off in the past couple of months. But after yesterday's beatdown, the slowdown stocks may be back in style, which brings me to Centene, CNC, the managed care company that specializes in government-sponsored health plans. These guys held a virtual investor day today where management raised the full-year earnings forecast substantially and sent the stock up 2.8%. Can it keep climbing? Let's take a closer look with Michael Nydorf. He's the indomitable chairman and CEO of Centene. To get a better sense of how his company's doing, where it's headed, Mr. Nutter, welcome back to Mad Money. Mr. Kramer, how are you, sir? Well, I am doing well, and these these kinds of questions now have great meaning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You know, it's just we're going to stay safe, keep all our employees safe, and uh, well, and it's also all good, and also delivering numbers. Uh, You increase guidance once again. uh, It looks like that some people I know are confused. They're saying, how could he increase guidance in a recession? But the answer is that Centene is not necessarily levered to economic activity, is it? No, we uh, we kind of marched to our drum. We we have told people you make your decisions based on the facts as they are today when we uh, announced the $4 billion incremental revenue. Everybody was concerned there was no increase in guidance. But it was not yet clear what that margin would be. Now we know it's more normalized. Well, also, I think that uh, there are things that throw, throw people for a loop or are, who don't normally follow you. Like this quote from your analyst day today, consistent with, with inpatient, we have seen a dramatic decrease in ER claims, decreasing over 46% in April well, that is a very meaningful number for you guys. Sure. Uh, the ERs were really not used like they normally are. And unfortunately, we try to assign recipients to primary care doctors. And we do a pretty good job. But there's a lot of them that still use the emergency room as their primary care physician. And, of course, during this current environment, that's not happening. We'll see it start to come back. And also that you're seeing a reduction in utilization medical costs. So, I mean, it's natural to presume that there are there are good numbers coming, uh, even as, again, I mean, you well, raise guidance, but you were, you know, you're your usual cost yourself. Yeah, but but uh, what we have to be careful of, we've said that we will have 68 percent of our income, of our earnings in the first half of the year. We're starting to see while we will have a strong stronger than normal, stronger than we should, second quarter, because of the underutilization, that will start to come back, and it's starting to come back now. So we'll see a higher than expected third and fourth quarter, and it will probably have momentum into next year. So on the year, you know, it will all average out except for that incremental revenue from the uh, $4 billion. Um, I, I've been watching... Uh, what we're to worried about, which is the spike in some states. And I was thinking, I got to ask Michael what he would say. I saw you had a mask on before. We all wear masks. We all practice yes. social distancing. Somehow it, it went from being something that maybe everyone thought is how you got Taiwan, which is seven deaths in almost no cases, to being something that we don't need anymore because things are better again. Is there any reason to think that things are better again? No. You know, that's the most frustrating thing for me. I'm working as a pretty good epidemiologist. And an individual tell me, and just when you talk about Taiwan, Japan, 127 million lives. They've, the, the Oriental markets have always had a mask mentality. 
they've had 832 deaths during the time that we had 100,000. Hong Kong, as you know, very concentrated population, 7 million people. They had four, I mean, four deaths in that same time. This, this mask is the answer until we have a uh, vaccine. Amen. And there's no doubt about it. You can't come in our building without one. And if I walk down the hall without one, I'm going to have to fire myself. Oh, I think that's absolutely right. Now, uh, there are things that are happening that I need your advice on, that we all need your advice on. Uh, because you thought about it very hard before. There, uh, there was a murder committed in Minneapolis, and it was one of the worst things that any of us have ever had to witness. Yes. You had something happen in Ferguson. You could have had, yes. and I know you did a day of discussion, but you do more than that. You built mm-hmm. something in Ferguson. What is it like yes. to talk versus do? Well, I'm very proud that in a matter of, we, we heard that small businesses would be closing. Right. And we said we had to do something about it. This was uh, Labor Day when it happened. That Friday, I said, we're going to build a, we're going to announce and we're going to build a service center in Ferguson. That Tuesday, over the weekend we worked, we announced it. And that Friday, we owned the land. We had the effect of those small businesses that have sent teams coming here, we're reopening. And up until this uh, last time, we saw property values starting to increase. You drive through Ferguson now, people are showing pride and taking care of it. If I could take you to our daycare center we have up there, you see young children learning. It's just incredible. It's, it's, you know, I, I feel successful only when I see other people being successful. And the people in Ferguson are becoming successful. Can we clone you? Can we clone you? We're not seeing other no, people do what you do. No. We're not seeing other like people. It. We're seeing people sending their hearts. They're sending their prayers. How about sending money and jobs? Well, you know, one of the things we're doing is uh, the KIPP schools. We're giving a a chunk of money, and I'm personally giving a lot to the St. Louis one. But across the country, we give it to for the K through 6 grades. Mm -hmm. Because we know that one of the things we have to do to correct things is improve the the educational system in the inner city. Right. We can do that. We can start turning people's lives around. So there's a lot of things we can do. One of the things we're also I'm proud of, and uh, Marcella, who you've met, and uh, uh, some of our other people here, Shannon Bagley, our head of HR, we're putting together these courageous conversations. And th- th- that was not a one-off event. There's a, they're going ongoing all the time. I'm also proud, Jim. I just happened to ask the question. 52% of our population or of color, of our employee population across the country. So uh, it's uh, it's something I, I feel good about. That uh, I think it can be done. Well, you should, and you also should feel good about all the work you're doing to understand why minority communities have been hurt more in COVID, uh, by COVID. You're a good man, sir. Thank you so much for coming on. Congratulations on a great analyst day and everything you're doing for Thank shareholders. You. Thank you, sir. Yeah, that's Michael Nyroff. He's chairman, president, and CEO of Centene, CNC. Delivers another great quarter, gives a great outlook. And, of course, when I say he cares, I do not mean he mouths. I mean he does. Man, money's back into the break.
know a lot of people think the market's about to explode up, and a lot of people think it's about to really plummet down. I actually think that after yesterday's blow-off, we could have some decent times, like today, where it opened up big, then it gave it up, and then came back. I think we're going to be flopping and chopping for a little bit here, unless we get a big pickup in states with COVID. And that's going to change the equation. Right now, you wear your mask, do the social distance. We're going to beat this thing because we're going to get a vaccine and we're get them, and the antibodies. It'll be from Regeneron and J&J, and you'll wish that you did own stocks. So I'm trying to keep you in the game, even you, the traders. Alexa, there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you Monday. I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe. I can't wait to get all of those resources under one hour-long newscast where we can deliver the facts of the day clearly and concisely in context and with perspective and tell people what's happening, what it all means. Get the truth, not the spin. The News with Shepard Smith. Subscribe to the podcast today.